Hello, hello. My name is Kim Addis, and I am the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, and you have just joined the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast, where we invite leaders from all over the world to join us to get coached live and in person right on the podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Paul Weston. He is the president and director of solutions, I think that's it, of a company called Andrew Jane Consulting. Paul, welcome. Welcome, Kim. Head of solutions, if you like. Head, head, head. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> Director head doesn't really matter, but uh, yeah, very glad to be here. So where are you joining us from today? Just at the road from you, Kim. We're, uh, we're in Newmarket, a snowbound Newmarket. Uh, but I grew up in Yorkshire in the north of England, as you can probably gather, which means I'm the guy on the call without the accent. I'm the English guy speaking English. <laughs> right. Um yeah, so I've been in Canada for about 15 years and um, yeah, live up the road from New Newmarket, Ontario. Wow. Okay. So what is Andrew Jane Consulting? Tell us all about it. Well, we're a company who uh, incorporated my company and my old company and my wife's company about a year ago. Um, we haven't quite got to where we expected to get this year but with everything that's going on in the world. But um, I spent many years in the military in the UK and my, my big passions throughout life have been music and sport. And um, I managed to do those in, in the military for many years. I joined the music branch of the Royal Marines and then got a commission to officer and got to travel around the world. And when I came to Canada in 2005, I took what I'd learned as a military officer into the business world as a consultant, predominantly with a company called Crestcom International based in Denver, Colorado. I worked with the Ontario Crestcom team here. And now Andrew Jane Consulting, uh, we focus predominantly on helping people in a variety of ways, we do some sales consulting, but uh, more importantly, especially over the last year, we started helping organizations with their uh, time and energy management. Um, we help them become more functional, more efficient with their processes. We also help individuals get more out of their life by giving them some time back, hours and hours of their time back by getting them to be more efficient with uh, what we're doing. Uh, I've just finished a new book, Running in the Rain, which is gonna be available in the new year and that's all about uh, creating strategies for a more productive and fulfilling life because running in the rain for me is a, a metaphor for life we always move forward and we avoid doing it because it's raining which is a poor excuse so go back and i'm just curious because i think our audience would be interested give us one or two strategies that would help us uh, reclaim a few even a few minutes of of our day yeah, so I have a very important theory that we spend every minute of our day in one of three what I call energy zones. The first one is professional energy zone. You and I are in that now, and uh, most of our listeners probably are doing something that makes us money. It puts, puts a roof over our head and food on the table. The second one is personal energy zone, and that can be do something that's purely on your own. It could be reading a book, uh, going to a yoga class, just spending time on your own. It's just me times, if you like, meditating or those sorts of things. And the third one is what I call social energy zone, where you're with your friends or colleagues um, doing family things or going for a drink or a meal, parties, barbecues, Thanksgiving, those sorts of things. Now, if we dilute those zones, we lose time because if you're in your professional zone and you start answering social media posts, or if you're sitting at home reading a book and you answer a work email, you start to dilute these zones. And we don't, if we, if we don't, sort of block them off and put them into their separate places. And it's okay to check an email from uh, your wife or your, your husband when you're at work, but just don't do it every minute. Check it every now and again. If 
by ring fencing those blocks of time, you'll get so much more fulfillment from that time and you'll get so much more energy back and you'll find life is way more productive if you can just ring fence those blocks of time. Let me ask you a question because I just got off another podcast with a gentleman who says, well, no, uh, I run a security company and I must pick up the phone when the phone rings, even if it's during dinner. My family understands it's what I do. What's your take on that? Well, that's fine if he's a one-person operation. If he's the only person in the organization who runs everything that they do, then he has to pick the phone up. But I'm betting he isn't. I bet he has other people, and there's probably a level of, um, I don't want to say trust, but autonomy, if you like, and accountability. And if you know, what happens if he was indispensable at that time? What happens if he was driving his car and he didn't have you know hands-free? What happens if he was you know, heaven forbid, in hospital or on a flight somewhere? Somebody else would have to pick. Or up taking him. a shower. Or taking a shower. I bet he didn't answer the phone when he was talking to you, Kim. You know, if he's on a podcast with you, he's probably not going to be answering the phone. Exactly. So there are times when he can't answer the phone. And does the company survive? Of course it does. There needs to be other people there who can take some of that off and trust other people with some of those roles to free up what you do. You might find they do a really good job and they feel a little bit more engaged in the business because they're taking on a little bit more responsibility and they therefore ring fence that time for themselves. Of course they have to do that. So it's a new term for everyone who's listening, rig fence. We've never heard that term before. It must be ring. some UK term. Yeah, ring fence. It's rather ring, like- Ring, R-I-N-G or R-I-G? R-I-N-G, ring fence, something. Yeah, it's kind of a farming term. I grew up in the north of England and surrounded by farmland and ring fence is putting a fence in the field to, to separate, say when you're dipping your sheep or you're branding your sheep, you want to keep them apart because you don't know how many you've done. So once you've branded them, you or you've treated them for bugs and lice and stuff, you put them into a ring to make sure that they're separate from the other parts of the flock and so on. Ring fence them, yeah. So you should do that with your time. You know, I have specific jobs to do at certain times of the day. Okay, I learned something new. Thank you. There you go. Okay, so you're here because you are open and willing to getting coached. What is your greatest challenge that we could help you with today? So um, as someone who loves to get out and get stuff done, and that's the whole, you know, the background to my book and my life really is not sitting back and life's not a rehearsal to get one go at this. For me, the probably the area that I find um, knocks me back is patience and, and frustration. And I'll give you a couple of analogies if you like. One of the one of the areas of, of life that really frustrates me and really challenges my patience is packaging. Um, I bought a battery pack uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, I almost had to get my chainsaw out of the basement to get into this thing to get the batteries out. There's so much thick plastic surrounding it, you know. And I'm a I'm, I'm late fifties, pretty fit, healthy guy. I, I I can't imagine what elderly people with perhaps arthritis go through, and you know. So it just it, frustrates the hell out of me and so tied in with that is is sort of technology as well um you know when things don't work every day i have to reset my printer i don't know what's wrong with it i have to unplug it plug it in then it works fine um and just people as well who don't get on and do stuff i mean i'm a triathlete i've done ironman triathlons and i love triathlon it's an individual sport but i hate group rides i love cycling and i used to be members of cycling clubs but you meet on a saturday morning for a group ride and it's supposed to be eight o'clock, we start. So I'm there at 7.45 at the Tim Hortons, I get a coffee, I go to the bathroom, I come out, and people are still arriving at 8.30, 8.45. Guys, it was eight o'clock, we should be on the road now. And those people who dither and hold back, and I find it very, very frustrating. Okay, so uh, these are all funny and uh, <laughs> like, they seem insignificant, right? They seem like little unimportant examples, but when they add up, they become 
they become invasive and they start to set your mood and they start to have control over the way you feel and the way you think and the way you operate every day. And there's so many reasons to get frustrated. And I totally get the battery pack problem. Uh, but so for me, there's a few things. And um, as I listen to you, let's go with the example of the fact that you're supposed to leave at eight o'clock, but people aren't even showing up until 8.30. And so there's an idea for you about the way things should work. Yeah. Right. Like you yeah. said, we, we, we said we were leaving at eight. Yeah. It's eight. Um, and now we're not going. And so things aren't going as they should go. The, the printer is not working as it should work. Yep. It shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be so hard to open a battery pack. Yep. Right. Exactly and right. so that that concept that should creates for you an area of contention or a, or a, a reason for stress. OK, so. And what, what I like to do is say, where are people having this belief that things should work the way they're supposed to? Whenever they have that belief and things fall off course, they get rattled, right? Yeah. So really what this is about, and you probably already know this, and probably preaching to the choir, is the way we feel, which is frustrated, impatient, annoyed, is a function of how we think about what's happening as opposed to what is actually happening. So when we think something should be different than the way it is, we feel upset. So it's not because it's different, that thing in and itself isn't bothering us, it's because we think it has to be or should be a different way. So let me back up for a minute because I think this is important. So if the way we think affects the way we feel, Here's the really interesting piece is that we actually have control. We don't have control over the battery packaging, but we have control over the way we think about the battery packaging. Except most of the time, we aren't conscious of the fact that we have control over that and we give up control. So in the case of, let's call it the, the bicycle gang, right? The yep, cycling group, yep, yep. right? Yep. You show up early, you're ready to go, nobody else is ready to go. And so you, and, and I have this expression is, what are we using as our excuse to feel bad? In your case, you're using the fact that they're not ready to go to feel bad. But the, 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 re the reality is that you have choice in that moment. Oh yeah, because I'm, I'm grumpy for the whole ride. I, I don't talk to anybody, I'm miserable. Right. <laughs> And then they say, oh, hi, how are you? Yeah, okay. We should have started at eight. It's now nearly nine. And I'm miserable for the whole ride, yeah. Right. So what are you using as your risk excuse to be miserable? And so while you're really disciplined about being on time and opening packages quickly and, and doing all the things efficiently and effectively, where you're losing it is in controlling the way you think. Because what you're doing for a guy who really wants to maximize time is you're losing time by continuously thinking thoughts that are not aligned with what you actually want. Yeah, and I think in the, I, I hear exactly what you say, and I, um, I, I see it in a business context as well. I'm, I'm sure you're the same as me, where you've met with a prospect, you've you know, maybe done a pitch and you presented an opportunity to work with them, and they said, yeah, we'd love to do this, and they sit on it, and they sit on it, and they sit on it, and you, you reach out, you don't know whether to bug them or leave them. 
and you know you reach out you're ready to get started yeah yeah yes give us another couple of weeks and then it's almost a year before you actually engage in in the in the in the partnership with them and they say oh wow this is really great we should have done this last year well duh <laughs> right <laughs> and that so, whole year has been one of frustration for me because you know i know i can help you i know i can improve the quality of life and the efficiency of your business right. but here it is like here here's here okay this is so beautiful you're the guy who wants to improve quality of life, right? Yep. But if you're sitting for a whole year feeling frustrated, what's the quality of your life? Oh, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, I've got to learn to uh, to let that go and say, hey, you know, I've got no control over this. So, yeah. Right. But also, yeah. so there are lots of options. And I really want to talk about, like, what choices do we have right here, right now that we're not taking? So you're at the cycling group place meeting point at 745, you've done the bathroom thing, you've done the Tim Hortons thing, you're ready to go at eight, nobody else is ready to go, you have choice. One choice is to cycle alone. Yep. Another choice is to wait and chat and socialize and hang out and have a good time. Another choice is to go home. The choice you're making is to be grumpy. Yep. Right? And so yep. just like we have choice about how we dilute our time, we have choice about how we show up and how we make those choices is dependent on how we want to feel. So very often we choose the grump factor over enjoying ourselves or doing a different thing because it feels righteous to be grumpy. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's something in it for us, right? Well, I would set off after three or four weeks of that at eight o'clock. I said, guys, I'm going. I've got to get back. I've got an appointment at 12. It's a three-hour ride. I've got to get home afterwards. And I found four or five other guys said, yeah, yeah, why should we wait for the rest? And suddenly, we started going at eight o'clock. But yeah, I made a choice. You're dead right. Rather than be grumpy, it's not I'm leaving at eight. You can either come with me or wait for all these slackers. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. in the case in the case of the company who's not ready to pull the trigger, what you want to do is have like, you know, I don't know, 50 of those who's, who are not ready to pull the trigger every month, right? And so eventually it doesn't really matter. They're in your pipeline and it's part of the process. So you don't get rattled, bothered, or frustrated with the fact that they're delayed because you're so busy and packed that, hey, you barely have time for them anyway. So it's like this, this ideology that we have choice every moment of every day about what comes our way. And are we making choices that are consistent with living a life that's fulfilling? Are we making choices that's consi consistent with being righteous and being grumpy, right? And being frustrated. And so that's where you're at. And, it, and it's fun to talk to you because you, you know this already, right? Yeah, I, I hear what you say, but it's something that you can always work on. I think, you know, my wife's always telling me, well, you know, if I'm grumpy about something, she said, well, you choose to be grumpy. You're the one who's decided to be grumpy. So hearing it from another source always always sort of um, recon or confirms, um, reiterates a very good point you're making. I think we can all learn from that. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and, and just to drive the po point home just a tiny bit more. So you are generally grumpy when other people are irresponsible. Um, it really depends. I mean, if, if I see somebody drop litter, um, I will, I will head off to them. I'll pick it up and I'll, I'll say, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll put this in the garbage. That really, really annoys me, you know, and I'd rather do something than come home and complain. I saw somebody dropping litter. What do you do? Well, I just walked away. Well, I picked it up and put it in the garbage. Did you say anything to them? No. Okay. Well, say something. Don't complain to me. 
know, do something about it. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm not always miserable about that. And for me, the end of it is... But, the, but I'm the saying what bothers you is when people aren't being responsible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. so what I want to say is that the epitome of responsibility is a person who takes care of their emotional state. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And yeah. so you're the responsible guy. And so what you want to do is notice when you're feeling a negative feeling is that's an indicator that your thoughts are pointed away from what you want. And that's a moment when you're being irresponsible in that moment. You're like, Oh my God, I'm the same guy as the litterer, except what I'm doing is I'm littering my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. Another good example is the the bottom of our stove. We've got this tray that all the, the pans go into from the, from the, uh, from the from the stove and everything, and they only just fit. There's only one way of putting them in, and it sounds like I'm having a fight with the stove to slam these in. And my wife thinks, she's like, are you angry? And I'm like, no, I'm not angry. Just very noisy task, but getting these things in is a nightmare. Once they're in, <clears throat> it's done. Okay, feel good. But uh, often I exude that perception of being in a really bad mood, which is not healthy. Yes, that that uh, drawer of yours might need a little padding so it's quieter, right? <laughs> <laughs> But Paul, I hope that gave you some food for thought. I hope that gave you something to think about kind of when you have a conversation with your wife later on tonight. I really appreciate your challenge. I don't think you're alone. That packaging, man, they should think of a better way, right? Uh, But thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your challenge. For those of you who are listening, if things are bugging you, start paying attention to where you're allowing litter to clog your brain. If you have a challenge that you want to share on the podcast, please reach out to me. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. And if there is a challenge that you're not so willing to share on the podcast, please reach out to me anyway. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. Paul, before we go, how do people find your book? Oh, uh, if you go to andrewjaneconsulting.com, or sorry, andrewjane.com, uh, you'll find some information about the book there. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Paul Weston. And we also have a program all about distraction freedom, how to get away from distractions, which really sap your time. And you can find information there, distractionfreedom.com. And that's a new program we launch in January. Amazing. Thank you, Paul. Until thank you, we Kim. speak again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.